This episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. I lived overseas for many years, and one of the biggest bottlenecks to international living is money transfers. You want to withdraw money from an ATM to access funds from your American bank account, and you don't realize you're getting hit with a $10 charge every single time you do that. Yeah, that did happen to me. So if you're dining in dollars or want to do business in bot, what a Wise account does is let you send, spend, and receive money in different currencies. Wise is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. This goes from a night out at a tapas bar in Spain to buying a property in the Yucatan. So if you're a digital nomad in Bali or want to send Send money back to mom, it's simple. And this is all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Wise works in over 160 countries, so your money's always at your fingertips. And over half of the transfers get their destination in less time than it takes to listen to this ad. Join 16 million customers and learn how a Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unplugged. That's wise.com slash unplugged. One more time, wise.com slash unplugged. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the History Unplugged podcast, the unscripted show that celebrates unsung heroes, myth busts historical lies, and rediscovers the forgotten stories that changed our world. I'm your host, Scott Rank. Hey everyone, welcome to another in between episode where I answer any question you have about history. Today's question comes to us from James Early. James is the editor of the Facebook site American History Fanatics, which I recommend you check out. And he asks me to talk about Brendan the Navigator. Okay, who is Brendan the Navigator? Brendan is a figure, some say real life, some say legendary who is believed to have taken a voyage from Ireland in the 6th century to Iceland to Greenland and possibly down to the New World. The legend goes like this. After the death of St. Patrick in 461, 50 years later, there was another Celtic saint named Brendan who was continuing the work of converting Ireland to Christianity. He traveled all throughout Ireland to proselytize and establish monasteries and frequently sailed to spread the gospel to Ireland as well as Scotland, Wales, and Brittany in the north of France. According to a 1,500-year-old tale, however, he embarked on a particularly epic voyage in the end of his life. A saint told St. Brendan that he had returned from a visit to paradise. It was a land that lurked beyond the horizon. For 40 days, Brendan fasted and prayed atop a mountain on an Irish peninsula that points at North America. The 80-year-old then squinted across the waves of the Atlantic Ocean and decided to go in pursuit of the Garden of Eden. He then crafted a boat, a traditional sort of Irish vessel that is shaped like a big canoe and wrapped in leather in order to keep out the elements, called a carach, with square sails on it. And he had a crew of approximately 18, although maybe more depending on accounts. He then sailed on the ocean and encounters all sorts of fantastic things on his voyage. He encounters towering crystal pillars afloat in the ocean, sheep the size of oxen, Giants who hit the ship with fireballs that smell like rotten eggs, and talking birds singing psalms. 
Finally, when they drifted through fog, they landed at what Brendan thought was paradise. It was fragrant with flowers and vegetation and fruit and colorful stones. And after staying there for 40 days, an angel told the men to return. And when St. Brendan returned to Ireland after the seven-year voyage, pilgrims flocked to him to hear the story. And there's also other more fantastical accounts in the Chronicle of him landing on what he thinks is an island and then finds out it's a giant whale. Well, a lot of the story of St. Brendan comes to us from the chronicle, The Voyage of St. Brendan, written in the 9th century, and it's full of nice medieval illustrations. And the most common one is him landing on an island, which he finds out later to be a sea monster. So there's over 100 manuscripts of the story across Europe, dating back to the 900s, as well as many translations. So what are we to make of this text? For a long time, it was written off as a legendary account. It reads a lot like the Iliad with uh, supernatural elements built in of angels, of non-existent animals, of mythological creatures, of demons. But there are descriptions in there that make people wonder if parts of the account might be true. And even if St. Brendan himself didn't do it, knowledge accumulating of islands west of Ireland might come back correct. For example, it describes sheep, which are in the Faroe Islands, at one point, it refers to volcanoes, which can be found on Iceland, and it describes the volcano as hell, where great demons threw down lumps of fiery slag from an island with rivers of gold fire. And when he describes great crystal pillars, these are obviously referenced to icebergs. So it's very possible that if one were to take a shipping route from Ireland onto Iceland, then stopping at Greenland, and then arriving in the New World, you would see all these phenomena. And it's fascinating to think that somebody could have completed this voyage in the 500s since it wasn't until much later when Vikings did the same. Vikings colonized Iceland in the 800s, but they report that when they arrived there, they found Irish monasteries. And then Leif Erikson is believed to have arrived at the New World in 1000 AD, where Vikings had an establishment there for a few decades in order to trade with the natives. Well, let's talk about the context first of all. This particular writing, The Voyage of St. Brendan, fit within a specific type of Irish genre called the Imram. This was a genre that flourished during the 7th and 8th centuries, and it's typically a tale that describes the hero series of seafaring adventures, and they typically involve the hero going beyond the edges of the world map. It makes sense that in this time in history, something like that would be written because so much of what lay beyond the sea was completely terra incognita. It was easy to let your imagination run wild about what actually lay beyond there, whether it was the domain of God or something else, such as the original Garden of Eden. Now, there's not much reliable evidence to indicate that Brendan ever reached Greenland or America, but the voyage of St. Brendan, the navigator, was popular in Europe in the Middle Ages. Maps during the time of Christopher Columbus include an island called St. Brendan's Isle that was placed in the Western Atlantic Ocean, and Columbus arguably knew well of St. Brendan when he conducted his own voyage. Now there's one question, could a voyage like that even be possible? Well, the answer is yes. In 1976, an adventurer and historian, Tim Severin, decided to follow in the wake of St. Brendan's uh, journey. He created his own Karach, built in the style of the 500s in Ireland to see if it could sail across the sea. And he set sail from Ireland to reach North America and was successful in doing so. Conducting such a voyage like that would depend on favorable climate, but if you could catch favorable winds, you could do it in maybe 180 days, provided for stopping for supplies and everything else. 
There's a documentary on the History Channel about those who might have reached the New World before Columbus. Some argue that there are archaeological finds in Connecticut that point to the possibility of an Irish establishment being built there. There's rudimentary granite housing that's built very much in the style of a Celtic church, particularly the placement of entryways and windows that allow for sunlight to enter. And some scholars think that there are Greek character shapes that are also found on Celtic churches, although they can't date when that would be. So this archaeological find is by no means a silver bullet. It's not like there is something like a Celtic cross dating directly from 500 AD that could be found there. So it's not nearly as conclusive as Viking archaeological remains that can be found in Newfoundland in 1000 AD. But all that to say, scholars have found that it's at least possible Brandon could have made the voyage. The descriptions of these lands that are far afield are accurate in at least some places. Whether or not we can believe in the historicity of the account of St. Brendan the Navigator, well, at least the non-supernatural parts, it goes to show that we should always be questioning and challenging our knowledge about how far people really went in the ancient and medieval world. And it goes to show that we shouldn't be too skeptical about what ancient explorers could accomplish. And while you shouldn't believe everything that you read in an old manuscript, you also shouldn't toss away all of it because you might be tossing out some historical fact in there. Anyway, James, thank you for the question. And if you'd like to submit a question to me about history, go to historyunpluggedpodcast.com. There you'll find instructions and I would be glad to answer it. Thanks for listening to the History Unplugged podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get your daily dose of all things history-related from ancient Greece to the Cold War. You can do that by going to historyonthenet.com forward slash subscribe. Speaking of History on the Net, if you want to dive deeper, go to our site historyonthenet.com and there you'll find blog posts, book reviews, and all of our other podcast episodes. Plus, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so we can bring you the best daily history content possible. We'll see you next time at the History Unplugged podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Calitrin. Calitrin is a weight loss supplement made from collagen protein and digestive enzymes. Calitrin is designed to assist the body in repairing and rebuilding lean muscle using top quality ingredients. The reason it contains collagen, which is the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the body, is because it decreases as we age. Because Calitrin rebuilds this critical protein, it promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. I tried it for a month, slept great, felt more energetic, and noticeably shed weight that was gained over the holidays. Calitrin has an 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. Here are some customer testimonials. Maria in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calitrin. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. And Diane not only lost weight, but found relief from arthritis. This week, you can take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free, plus free shipping. Ordering is extremely easy. Just text the word UNPLUGGED to 30605, and you'll get a link to the special offer. Text the word UNPLUGGED to 30605. Again, text UNPLUGGED to 30605.